Money FM 89.3, best of the breakfast huddle. Why it matters on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's the Breakfast Huddle with Elliot Danka and Bharati Jagdish. It's time now for Why It Matters. And we have a Budget 2022 preview as uh, we look at the Singapore Carbon Tax Review that's expected to be announced at this year's budget on Friday, the 18th of February. Yeah, a lot of businesses watching this, considering how much more they might have to pay. Now, aside from unveiling the revised rate for 2024, the government has also said it will provide indications on what to expect up to 2030. So the good thing is businesses will have time to adjust. Are you ready though? Well, there's a recent study by Angie Impact on net zero corporate readiness and it was found that half of APAC companies disagree that they have merchant, uh, they have mechanisms rather to integrate carbon in investment and business decisions. And 90% lack confidence that business units and individuals are being incentivized to decarbonize. So what sorts of implications can we expect on businesses here with this upcoming carbon tax review? On the line with us this morning is Amandeep Bendy, who is Director of Sustainability Solutions for NG Impact. Good morning, Amandeep. How are you? Good morning. I'm well. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Come uh, and we really appreciate you trying to explain all of this to us. I, I suppose let's start off by talking about the study on net zero corporate readiness. What else can you tell us about it apart from what we mentioned? Well, it threw out a, a few strong uh, insights. I, I think the first one is uh, many corporates are still trying to figure out what their emissions are. So, so you know, the conventional scope one and two emissions that are for the use for the operations of the business or the electricity that the business consumes uh, is fairly easily tracked. Uh, but scope three, which is, you know, the emissions on account of the business uh, in its ecosystem in terms of as a buyer and as well as a seller of goods and services, that's the that's usually a big chunk of the overall carbon footprint for any business. And that's the one that businesses sort of need to understand much better. It's not a perfect process, but, but they need to start getting on the journey to understand that. And then from there, you know, the, the resulting decarbonization process in terms of setting the right targets, uh, be it the science-based targets or any other form of net zero, uh, and then having a roadmap. Uh, so, so, so I think the first dissonance was in, in in understanding of what their actual emissions footprint was. The other big insight was uh, really how do you set targets? You know, uh, what is the basis for setting climate targets? Are they scientific enough? Do they follow the trajectory that is required by the IPCC in terms of meeting up the 1.5 degree Paris Agreement protocol? And and the you know management. Uh, teams being empowered enough uh, to act on those targets. You know, uh, it all starts with how do you link business incentives for uh, for management to to perform on these metrics, and, and do they have the right amount of support and funding from in terms of bandwidth and capital uh, to go ahead and execute these plans. Since you talk about incentives, I mean, we did say earlier that 90% of them lack confidence that business units and individuals are being incentivized to decarbonize. Looking at this objectively, would you agree with that assessment? Or are these individuals just not aware that there are all these incentives out there? So there's incentives at, uh, at two levels. You know, one is the external incentives that are being provided. Uh, so, so, you know, in Singapore, for example, there's the REGI grants, uh, there's enough funding available to test bed new technologies that can help decarbonize. The other incentive is basically internal. You know, if if uh, managements uh, are measured, uh, you know, month on month and quarter on quarter on regular sales performance, but not on carbon performance, you know, the, the skew is definitely towards meeting regular targets than looking at carbon. 
Your study also uh, finds that directors are more attuned to the reality of missing decarbonization enablers in your organizations compared with C-suite leaders. Tell us about you know, what you understand from why there is a gap here. What exactly is the gap? The gap is at multiple uh, you know, levels. Uh, there's, there's definitely in terms of understanding of what it takes to decarbonize. Uh, in many cases, I, I think people do tend to, uh, I guess, oversimplify the, the thought of decarbonization. It's not just putting up, let's say, a solar panel it's, or, or just using an energy efficient bulb. Uh, it's usually a little more technical. It, it involves a reasonable amount of investments to be put in and and there is still a certain amount of uncertainty on on the technologies that are available you know be it hydrogen or carbon capture uh, which means management have to take calculated uh, decisions on uh, which technologies to put their money behind and how they can de-risk by either using small-scale pilots and being selective about certain areas uh, those are things that i think the, the management still feels that uh, there's a disconnect because you know there isn't enough understanding of some of these topics this has a lot to do with stakeholder buy-in, doesn't it? It often Absolutely. feels as if businesses are just embarking on this because it seems to be in vogue. It is the thing to do, especially if you want consumers to want your products. Consumers are yes. now so much more conscious of these issues. But do they really believe in it? So perhaps more work needs to be done in order to have people understand what decarbonization in general is all about, the good it will do, the purpose of it. Would you agree that much more needs to be done in this regard to really get authentic buy-in here? Absolutely. I think uh, without authentic buy-in, you know, it's very difficult to get success at what you want to implement. The, the great thing that we are seeing is that there's genuine, uh, you know, there's of course uh, a set of folks who are more uh, uh, sort of influenced by, yes, this is an in thing to do. But uh, uh, we are seeing a lot more people who genuinely believe that they need to solve this problem. I think where they get stuck is, uh, okay, what do I do? And and the classical thing is any problem, you can approach it through multiple angles. At the end of the day, you need to start prioritizing how do you want to solve the issue? You know, what are the, are the business levers that you have? And, and then how do you then have a roadmap to actually go ahead and implement it? Now, the roadmap does involve uncertainties in the mid to long term, but you know it's not a surprise for anyone in a business environment. You know, you can only predict the short term. And therefore... As long as there is an overall management buy-in right down to the top on what is it that we are very, very sure of in the next five years that we need to take to decarbonize and where do we want to place our bets for the next 10 years and 15 years in terms of implementation strategies, what to look out for, I think that will make it more successful. But increasingly seeing companies realize the value of that beyond just mere reporting of carbon emissions per se. Singapore was the first Southeast Asian nation to introduce a carbon tax from 2019 to 2023, but its rate of $5 per ton is considered to be on the low end of the spectrum. How would you like to see that number change? And what do you hope to hear when budget is announced on the 18th of February? So, so yes, Singapore is uh, yes, Singapore is amongst the first and amongst probably the 45-odd countries globally uh, that have some form of carbon tax. Uh, it is a little low right now. And I think uh, what we would definitely like to see it is something that drives action. Now, according to the World Bank, uh, a range between a 40 to 80 US dollars per ton is the one that should help countries and businesses meet the 1.5 degree Paris commitment. And I think, you know, that's, I think, a little too extreme. But we definitely hope that uh, it's, it's, it sends a much more positive signal to businesses in terms of making more firmer plans to decarbonize. 
And I think the good part, as you also mentioned, is something that gives certainty to businesses to adjust to a 2030 timeline. And we do hope that by 2030, uh, businesses have a clearer roadmap of of how the tax ramps up and what do they need to do. And 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 I think overall, businesses are looking for multiple levels of support. There is uh, definitely a carbon tax, which is a nudge uh, from the comp- uh, you know from the government in terms of uh, what do they need to do, where the priorities are. It needs to be backed with support around grants, incentives, for Singapore to test better technologies, along with other uh, actions like how do you increase the skill level and availability of of uh, skilled p- personnel uh, in the sustainability space because this will definitely create the demand and and you know, we all know right now that there is a shortage of people in the market with the right set of skills. I sense that some businesses are quite anxious about this, and rightfully so, right? Anytime you've got to pay more in terms of a tax, it's going to be a very stressful experience. Uh, but you yes. talked about support and a long period of adjustment. What specifically would you say would be a crucial type of support that needs to be given to businesses during this adjustment period? What would help them the most? I think the, the, the first big support is definitely having a certainty on how the tax will ramp up or look like over the next period of 10 years or till 2030 the second support is in terms of more grants and uh, you know and and investment co-investment support which which is something that is being offered even now to invest in test spreading of technologies i think singapore uh, you know or you know uh, or any major industry which has operations or complex manufacturing and and energy usage operations there's always a bit of risk mindset that if i put something new there's a there's a lot of risk that it might not work it might jeopardize my existing operations and cause a lot more damage i think how do you make businesses much more comfortable that around making plans around that how do you make sure that businesses get uh, capital support or any other form of technical support to execute through incentives and finally i think there's another bit of additional nudge that would be helpful in terms of few more uh, i wouldn't say regulations but something that helps uh, setting standards in terms of Let's say for a householder, is it you know if we can mandate uh, in any form more energy efficiency usage equipment that will drive and, and that can be something that can be done even at the business level to set certain targets that will help uh, sort of accelerate the push. Just on your last point of accelerating the push, data accessibility is going to be very important here. At there has to be that collective effort to work with the same data and, well, yes. for lack of a better choice of words, not making Absolutely. up your own. <laughs> what are your Absolutely. thoughts on this? That has to be. Absolutely, there has to be a single source of truth on the data, and I think there are, there is some thinking already happening on enabling businesses to start uh, using standard tools to start measuring their carbon emissions, uh, also trying to report them. Uh, I think some of these things are being put in place uh, to make sure that you have a right measure of what you're trying to solve. So that's definitely a very very important thing, and and businesses are working towards it. But as I said, you know. The conventional scope one and two, which is how much a business consumes directly uh, in its operations, either through fuels or through electricity, that is the more easily measurable. Where businesses still uh, need a lot more support is in being able to understand the upstream and downstream impacts of their business operations on the carbon footprint. One of the issues that business people I've spoken to have brought up is that it's very hard to manage that, the upstream and downstream. And then some Mm. of these entities that they work with are also in other jurisdictions where these things are not important. What's your Mm. advice to businesses who are grappling with this particular issue? So it's an absolutely fair point. I think the the advice is to actually just get started. And uh, look, what we have seen extensively is 
A, the, you don't ever get it perfect the first time or maybe the second time. Okay. What is important is for businesses to start realizing the size of this footprint. Now, there will be certain amount of assumptions and proxies that would be used to develop it the first time. As you have more transparency on, on, on your supply chain, on your customers, you improve the, the, the numbers on, on the second time or the third time. But the, the effect it has on a business is it helps them to start making choices on what needs to change in the way they do business, what needs to wait, you know, in, in, uh, change in, in terms of their products and offerings that can help them cut this down. You know, I, I think businesses also need to sort of look at this as an opportunity. There is definitely, we all as consumers are conscious and there is definitely a demand for greener products and services. So I think businesses should see this as an opportunity to say, yes, we will not get this perfect the first time, but this opens up doors towards newer products and services. And, and the more we understand our supply chains better, uh, the more it creates opportunities for us to improve and for our customers to get something that is much better. We've been speaking with Mandi Bedi, who is Director of Sustainability Solutions for Angie Impact. Really appreciate your time this morning. You take care and stay safe. Thank you. Thank you so much. Take care. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.